interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good morning, Lincoln. This is Dan Alberts filling in for Pastor Stu Kearns on Friendly Fire. You know, it's, Pastor Kearns always has a great show where he tries to take the spiritual part of life, attach it to the reality of life that we live daily, and try to mold the two together in a graceful, kind way. And he's really good at it. And I am always grateful for the opportunity to fill in for him when he's gone. So I think he and his bride are off, hopefully, together. And I'm really glad to be with you on this Saturday morning on Friendly Fire. You know, the last one before the new year, before 2023. And uh, I don't know how all of you are, but... I do try to make an effort to make resolutions for the new year every year. And I actually try to keep them, and most of the time I do. One of my ongoing resolutions uh, that I think I've made for at least the last five years and will make it again this year is to be as grateful for what I have every day and for what I have in my life or what I have in my family and for where I get to live and uh, for all of the things, so every day I try to get up and think about how grateful I am for what I have and what I've been gifted with from God. One of the ways it helps me think most about it is when I hear a story from someone, a real-life story from someone that, uh, that makes my life look simple, easy, because then I even become more grateful for everything I've been blessed with. And today, folks, my guest, our guest, the Friendly Fire guest, um, you will hear a story. And when I turn it over to her, I'm just going to sort of help her tell her story for the next hour. And I hope you'll hear to it closely. Uh, my guest is uh, someone I've known for over 20 years, Nosheen Rafik. Nosheen, thank you for joining us on Friendly Fire. You are very welcome, Dan. Happy to be here with you. Nosheen, you have quite a, um, your voice isn't pure Nebraskan. Where did it come from? Well, I was born in Pakistan. My first early 20 years I was in Pakistan. And then I uh, went to uh, Hong Kong for a little bit for training and uh, went back to Pakistan. I was teaching. I got... uh, job offer to go to Philippines, which was actually everything. It was a miracle. It was like go- doors opening for my future that only God knew. I even never imagined. And then I went to Philippines, and that's where my actual life journey began. You're, we're going to talk about this whole journey, and the reason we're having this conversation this morning is for the, for a lot of us, especially for me, but I think for all of you to sort of picture your life relative to Nosheen's life, the journeys that she's lived, and listen to the gratefulness that she has um, for her life. Nosheen, let's let's begin here. You're a you believe in God. Yes, I am nothing without God. And who I am is all because of him and his love in my life, in me. Have you always felt that way? Um, 
Pretty much, yes. But I think I felt more when I left Pakistan. I okay. actually, when I was leaving Pakistan, because it was not easy, I never even imagined that I will have free life to myself. We're going to talk about, let's talk about Pakistan a little. Now, actually, what I would love to do is go to the end. You're here in Lincoln now. You've been in Lincoln for how long? We came in 1997. And you have a family. That is very true. Okay, and you, you're, you're married. Yes. And your husband does what? My husband is a Methodist pastor. Uh, pastor Rafiq, Joseph Rafiq. That is uh, right. He and... We have been part of his church when he was on the Methodist church on 3030. Remember when we used to have church down in the basement after breakfast? He just said, let's just stay down here. Yes. It wasn't yes. that. That was, that was the most enjoyable of times in my mind. Beautiful memories, the <laughs> breakfast and people coming and good conversations. We, we still hold those memories in our hearts. You have your family here, and somehow you got from Pakistan to now, Pakistan is, what's the most common religion in Pakistan? Um, I would say 95 to 97% people are Muslims there. Okay. And then minorities, Christians like Christians and uh, Sikh and some Buddhist. So you came from this uh, com community, this area in the Mideast that's 95% Muslim. Mm -hmm. And somehow you got from Pakistan to Lincoln to raise your family. That's the story that I want to hear from you. It's, it's, an, it's an incredible story in my mind. It makes me feel more grateful. Now, on this journey, first of all, as it relates to your belief in God, did you, do you think God had a hand in all of this journey? There is no doubt at all in my heart, in my mind. God is that God that when he has a plan, which he has a plan already, but what he wants, he does it. And I know that I tell people that I didn't have to worry about a single penny. When it was his plan, he picked me up from how many girls there were. I was the one he chose me, and it was matter of like not even 10 days that I was given tickets to go to Philippines as a broadcaster and producer for radio station and all I wanted was to get out from there because of the Muslim culture, the discrimination and also the male-dominated society that I come from. So I had dreams and I used to write stories and poems but never thought that dream will ever come true because I knew if ever there was an opportunity, it has to be for my brothers and never for me because I was a female. So when I was working as a teacher, I was, and it was not something I wanted to do, and it happened to be in our church, in our school, Catholic school that I was teaching, um, we had a 50 years of jubilee for all the missionaries who were in Pakistan, the sisters and the priests from different countries. And the teacher who was actually in charge had happened to have an emergency and could not come. I was not involved, and I offered help to the principal who was a Catholic nun. I said, would you like me to help? And she looked at me and she said, I don't even know what you will do and what I need to ask you for. 
said, if you think of, let me know. So after about an hour, I got called that I want, she wanted me to come in the office. I went in the office and she said, okay, tell me how can you help me because I don't have a person who actually was in charge. I said, well, let's just sit down, tell me briefly what the program was about and just leave it up to me. So she gave me little details. I had no written script. Um, there were so many audience and that was a lot of missionaries and school students and the teachers. So I came and before she introduced me, she apologized that if any mistake I make because this is an emergency, that uh, she took my, my offer and uh, here I am with the program, so forgive me. And then she introduced me and I went without any script. I did the whole program. And uh, out of those audience was a bishop who was actually in charge of Radio Veritas Asia in Philippines. Right after the program, he approached me and he asked me if I'll be willing to use my, use my voice for their radio programs. And I said, not, not at all. Okay. So I went home and the bishop approached my dad's friend. And uh, in that culture, that time, I had no way to say no. No, Sheen, your story is so broad and so valuable. And your voice, audience, if you listen to her voice, you can just hear the passion and the belief in her voice. No, Sheen, when you're thinking about what you're just telling us, what was your age and where were you? Where were you and what was your age at the moment you're now talking about? I was in my early 20s and I was in Lahore, Pakistan. Okay. And we'll, we'll continue with this story right there. We're going to pick up with this part of your story and move forward through all of the places until you came to Lincoln, Nebraska and had your family here when we return on Friendly Fire. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We're back on Friendly Fire Usually you have Pastor Stu Kearns, really Dr. Pastor Stu Kearns. I always like to put in that doctor. I think he worked really hard to get that that identity. And I always think uh, that anyone who does that work ought to be appreciated for it. Uh, I hope he's having a really good time over this New Year's. I, hope, I, wonder, do you, I wonder if pastors make New Year's resolutions. I'll have to ask him when I next see him. This is Dan Alberts. Pinch hitting for Pastor Stu and went in studio with me is Nosheen Rafik and Nosheen. I know that you and I have known each other for about twenty years. Uh, you and your husband are—he's a pastor and you're a pastor's spouse and you have children here in Lincoln and you've lived here since the early late nineteen nineties. Um, come from Pakistan and you were just when we entered into break, you were just talking <clears throat> to us about. Being about 20 years old, first with a Catholic church in Pakistan. No, Sheen, 95% of the people in Pakistan were Muslims. Is that right? That is correct. Now, did they look favorably? Do they look favorably upon Christians? Because you were a Christian while you were, and that your family was a Christian. That is correct. Is that a favorable position to be in in Pakistan? A lot of challenges that I myself dealt with, my dad dealt with, my brothers dealt with. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to get out. What was of the that. challenges? Tell us what. Give me a, cha a challenge. So first of all, just knowing the names, that that time we were treated by our names. So knowing Nosheen, my last name was Joseph. So Joseph is a Christian name. So and our names were written on the ID. 
So right away name and then the religion, Christian. So as soon as uh, it was uh, the ID said, I'm Christian, that's how I was treated. Well, second, how, what does that mean? This second, is how I was treated. Second citizen, in other words. In other words, that I had no right to say anything. I, if I, I have so many stories I can tell you, but my father, as in Muslim culture, trying to protect his Christian family. So were family. you in danger as a Christian? Yes. A lot of times they will kidnap girls and force them to become Muslims, get married to the Muslims because that allows them to get into heaven. So you were at risk to, as a female Christian in Pakistan. That is correct. To be what? Kidnapped and, re and forced to marry someone? Many times that happened to many Christian girls. Actually, my professor, when I was in college, she and there were three professors and they tried to convert me to Islam. So they, one of the professor asked me that, could you recite this after me? And she said, congratulations, you're Muslim now. So one of these days I'm going to make arrangements and I'm going, that time we were living in another little town. I will take you to Lahore, which is a central part of Punjab. And she said, and we will accept you in a big Muslim mosque and you, you are part of the Muslim culture now. So when he was telling you, I've, you've become Muslim, how old were you then? I was in, I was probably 15, 16 years old. So at 15 or 16, you're told by some official mm -hmm. that you're now Muslim. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction or what, what were you thinking? I was shocked. First of all, just sit, can you say this? And that's all it takes. So, and then I was afraid because my father, who was a Christian, and that was his identity. What will he say? And on top of anything else, I was told that three of the teachers are talking to each other that whose brother they will arrange my marriage with. They were arranging your marriage yep. at 15? Yep. I yep. told you we're Muslim, and here yes. we're getting ready for you to get mm -hmm. married. G going to go, probably it might not be 15. I'm, I just have to think of my age. It might be 16 or 17. Okay. Pretty young. Pretty young, yeah, right. yes. I was in first-year college. So I was very afraid. I was fearful because they are arranging me to, first of all, move to Lahore. And what will happen is I will go to college, and from there I will travel, and my family will never know and will never see me again. So you were at risk I was to become Muslim, to get married to someone you wouldn't know or hadn't? No, I never met somebody, and three of them had their brothers. So they were talking, no, this will be the best one, this will be the best one, this will be appropriate. And I was worried about that what my father, my mother, who loved me so much, and one day I'm not going to go back home, what are they going to think about? Is this the daughter we protected and we loved, and what happened to her? Would they have blamed you? I don't know. Probably yes. Because no matter what happened, I was a girl in Muslim culture. So my father always, always, if something would happen, no matter whose fault it was, it was going to be my fault. I know you you know this fully, but the audience might not. You say, I was a girl in a Muslim culture. What does that mean to you? Or what did that mean? So first of all, Christian, we are minority there. The second thing is a female. So the culture there now is totally different than the culture I grew up. Um, I actually 
my father in Muslim culture trying to protect his Christian family. So I never left home except going to school. Never left home. So I never knew how the stores look like. My father bought clothes. He bought our shoes. I never got to choose what I like and what I don't like. He bought everything. So I was provided everything at home and I had no idea. The girls in school will talk about they went for shopping. I would look at them and I was just picturing how the stores look like. So that was the time, that was how my father raised because the Muslim, a good Muslim family, especially females, were believed that their home is under, behind four walls, that nobody will see them. So those are respected families. And my father wanted to raise us as a respected family that nobody will see how his daughter or his wife looks like. Wow. That's, uh, you just always cause me to be more grateful every time I hear stories like that. And I can just hear, hear the determination in your voice, um, this sort of firmness. When did you, during all of this, when did you decide, I need to step out of this? Because at some point you did, right? So I was in eighth grade when my dad's sister tried to arrange her son's marriage with me. Okay, now I say came, that all again. I was in eighth grade okay, in eighth school. Grade. Yeah. And I come home from school and my mother was cooking food. And uh, she had tears in her eyes and I said, Mama, what happened? She looked at me and she said, I wish you were never born. And I, as a girl, really didn't talk much. I wrote more. I didn't talk much. And then she said, your auntie is arranging your marriage with her son. Eighth grade, I was like, okay, what do I do now? I'm in my heart, I was thinking. So as my auntie was still visiting us, I decided, I told my daddy that I want to become a Catholic nun. So that's the only Did way. Did you say that in response to you're, you're going to get, have to get married? Nobody asked me if I want to or not. I just shared that that's what my wish is. I want to get married. I want to be a nun. And my father's two sisters were nuns already. Okay. He could not say no. He couldn't say no. He did not say no. He could not say no. And he said, well, here she wants to become nun, so we'll just leave it that way. So that stopped the, the wedding. marriage. marriage. No eighth grade marriage. Right. 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 Celebrations off. Right. <laughs> right. So I was. that's what <laughs> I was hoping for, school and then college. And after second year college, I said, well, this is the date I'm going to leave. And uh, sisters are going to come, and they're going to take me to the convent, and I'll be sister. And my dad said, no, wait for two more years. So why dad? And he said, well, I want you to decide one time in your life, this is what you want to be, and then never come home saying that I failed. Never come home and say what? That I failed, that I didn't want to become none. So think many times before okay. you make that decision. Okay. So after four years... I was in third year college, fourth year college. I graduated and I said, I want to become, I want to join the nuns convent. And I have already date set. Sisters are going to come and take me to the convent. And uh, daddy said, no, I want you to wait for one more year. I didn't want to, but I waited for one more year. And after one more year, my dad said, so what do you, what would you like to do now? I said, I don't want to become a nun anymore. Did, do you think he knew? I don't think he knew that. No, I think he just was trying to 
make sure that I decide and then I stay with my decision. And he thought maybe I was not mature enough that time. What changed your mind? Um, what changed my mind? Yeah. I actually started to have a dream of maybe I will be a professor. Maybe I'll get married to somebody well-educated. Maybe I'll have a family. So I started to write stories and poems about my well-educated lady and good family and loving family and loving children that children will just some things that I didn't think even will be ever possible at all. No, Shane, do you keep a journal? I kept for a long time. Have you ever wrote this down? I wrote, yes, but when I was in when I was in Philippines before I left, I burnt my journal. I ta I talked to God, I prayed about it and I said I cannot carry it. I have to let go all that. So I burned in front of me my journal, all my past and my thoughts and my struggles because those were stories of my past. I was not struggling anymore. Yeah, when we return on Friendly Fire, we're going to pick up with both as you were completing your dream and also at the same time burning your journals because you maybe the two went together because it's helped you move on. And sure. we'll, we'll talk about it more with Nosheen Rafiq when we return to Friendly Fire. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. We're back on Friendly Fire. I always like to thank KLIN Radio for having all this local broadcasting. It's really valuable. I know Stu Kearns, Pastor Stu, loves to have in Friendly Fire, and I love filling in for him. Uh, this is Dan Alberts on Friendly Fire this morning. The Last Saturday before the new year, 2023, and we're, I'm in studio with Nosheen Rafiq, who was, when we left uh, for the commercial, had just said she she and had told her father, I do not want to become a nun, uh, after probably starting to believe that because she didn't want to get married when she was in the eighth grade, so say, hey, maybe I'll become a nun. And then after some time and some maybe wisdom from her father, she decided she wanted to go in another direction. And Nosheen, he also said, I just burned my journal. Um, I wish she had that journal. I wish I could read it. But I understand that you burned it in part because it was a painful past. It was a lot of stories. It was There was nothing I could do except write. And I wrote a lot of my past, my family dynamics, my culture dynamics, my dealing with discrimination, my everything. And I, it was painful, but at the same time, I did not really want to share with anybody. Okay. That was my story. Okay. So I, and then I didn't know where I will go after that because I was on contract work in Philippines for, as a broadcaster and producer. <clears throat> Did you know at that time that uh, that that journal was yours, that it was private to you, and no one would ever take it, or was did your background suggest to you that it could be ripped away from you or used against you or something like that? No, but there was nothing mine anyway. Nothing yours. Nothing anywhere. mine anyway, because uh, the girls in Pakistan. That time race, there was nothing. It was like parents deciding or dad deciding or whoever. 
elderly deciding about the girls and we had no say i had no say if my father arranged my marriage which they tried several times and not they were trying to hurt me that was the culture that was their love that was their protection that was their thinking of their daughter successful in future so there was nothing my i knew that one thing that probably someday they're going to arrange my marriage i'll be in some family i would not know i'll be cooking all day or i'll be just doing the work and and in-laws and whatever that will be i i didn't know that so this might be a really tough question for you to answer but how did you see yourself what what value i mean i'm a i'm a us citizen i'm a male i i i sort of have this vision of my value in this world what was your value to you at that time so i i had a dream when i was a little girl um i had a sister who passed away and i remember seeing her in my dreams and uh, the closest experience of mine at that little age was that i it was easter day and mom had dressed us up both and my sister's name was sophie and uh, one is wearing wearing pink and one is wearing purple dresses we have little easter baskets and we are walking and we are waiting for jesus to come and then all of a sudden behind us the biggest jesus very tall man that i could not even imagine comes and he has his hands open and he just takes me and my sister and we are hopping and we just like we belong to him so that was the jesus in my heart from that time probably in early school ages and i had many times that dream so when i talk about god and jesus son of god i talk about god father so he is that perfect image perfect image of a worldly just a tiny glimpse his worldly father the big picture of heavenly father for me so he's walking me he's holding my hands without him what could i have done nothing 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 at all so he just protected me he saved me and he carried me through all that and i remember when i was in radio station working my very first interview the host asked me that how do you feel now when you're out from there and i remember my words that interview i didn't have any questions ahead of time and they didn't have any questions for me i was working as a broadcaster and producer that was the very first interview as a introduction and i said i feel like i was in in a shell egg shell and now finally the shell is broken and i am out and i can breathe and i can talk and i can hear myself and i am beginning to realize actually who am i now so this is this is me and i am very very grateful to god and i will be forever because that is all because of him and when i look back probably that was my training period because he is walking with me and bringing me somewhere that where i don't know but he does know so going through experiences of trials and difficulties and not knowing and doubts and pain and sorrow everything is a training to help me to understand so that i will be there with those who need help and i see that actually 
that from where I left and what I was and I went through, now where I am working with, the, which I'm very proud of and very grateful for St. Elizabeth Hospital in Lincoln, Nebraska, and my job as a chaplain, that I am with the patients in midst of their pain and suffering, what they go through. And as a stranger, I step in the room, and when I leave, I leave with a relationship that we had known already because God is already there. Friendly Fire listeners, if you didn't, if, if you wonder if there's a God, and you, I don't think you can think twice after listening to the power of this story. No, Sheen, when we return, I want to have you tell us about uh, all the different things that once you release from this eggshell, in my apparently your training ground, all the things that's led you to as when we return on Friendly Fire. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We're back on Friendly Fire. You know, I think it's the, the fastest hour in radio. This is uh, Dan Alberts, uh, sub-pinch hitting for Pastor Stu Kearns. Um, this last Saturday before the new year. And in studio with me is Nosheen Rafik. And Nosheen, you have... a. Uh, in the prior segments, you you outlined so very well um, your background in Pakistan as a female Christian in a Muslim country, and that road to be, become a, to come out of that eggshell. It's a great symbolism of your of a female in the Muslim religion, an eggshell that you broke out of, and you you seeing that eggshell. A lot of people would have seen it as you know, I shouldn't have been kept in there. You see it as the glass half full, as this is how I was trained to come out and be effective. Since then, Nosheen, you were in the Philippines at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Start there. Once you started coming out of this training ground, this eggshell, tell us how that's played out for you. What has God had in mind for you? How has it played out for you since? So in Philippines, I worked there for five and a half years. Out of five and a half years, two years was a, uh, two contracts each two years I was there. I didn't know what my future is going to be. I was thinking about but not understanding and not knowing. And then um, uh, Joe, my husband, used to work with me. He was a Catholic priest. He left Catholic priest, um, uh, Catholic church. Uh, for his personal reasons, not nothing really up with the church uh, that he disagreed. And then he has his uh, brother and his sister in Kuwait, and they told him to come and be in Kuwait with them and spend time with the family. He was there, and from there, after about one and a half year, he approached me because we worked together. And uh, his family, his mother actually told him that I think that you should get married instead of spending life alone, which he, that's what he wanted because he said, I made commitment with God. So his mother suggesting him and she said, well, how about that girl who used to work with you? And she had never met me. She um, had never met no, you? She just listened programs, some programs. She never met me. She didn't know who I was. So his sister uh, from Kuwait approached me and she said, you have worked together. Would you be okay to talk to my brother? So I thought about it, and then I said, well, if I go back to Pakistan, there will be again arranged marriage. 
and marriage with will be somebody that I don't know. So at least here's somebody that I worked with that at least we know as co-workers. So then we started to talk to each other over the phone for about a year. You and Joseph? Me and Joe, yes. Okay. And then after about a year, he arranged the visa and I came to Kuwait. Now, now I want to get this image of this. At this point, uh, being a female who had very little to say about her life in Pakistan, did you have? Did you see yourself having choices now? Did you see yourself? Well, if he asks, or if that's what I'm directed to do, that's what I'll do. How did you see yourself as a female now? So the choices were. It was very hard because I wrote letter to my dad, asking permission, and uh, my dad permission wrote, to get married. Permission to get married. Yes, and uh, my dad wrote me. Uh, First, before Joe, there was another person that who approached me, and I said, I have to get permission from my parents, and my dad said no. So I told that person, I said, I'm so sorry, but my dad did not agree. So. And if he said no, you were going to follow your dad? So at least the first time I did follow. So the second time when I wrote letter telling that, you know, we, we have worked together, and then I'd rather marry somebody that I work with. And my father said that... He was a Catholic priest, and if he was not faithful to God, will he be faithful to you? And uh, so then I decided, no, I know this is what I will do. So we decided that we are going to get married, and we got married. My family did not come. My sister passed away right before. So mixture of my sister, who was 20 years old, died, and then getting married, spending, they spent a lot of money, and I don't know even if they would come because... My father did not agree. So we decided, we went ahead and got married. We got married after that. My brother, I heard from some other who knew family back there that my father, uh, my brother was going to get married. So I called my brother. After several tries, finally my brother, ans my brother answered the phone because my father was in charge of the phone. So he would answer, hung up. So my brother, I said to my brother, I said, I would like to send a gift how can I send you? And he said, we want you to come home. And I said, but what will dad? Dad will be very angry. And I just cannot put my husband in any, any danger. And he said, we will take responsibility for that. You come home. So my husband was praying and praying and praying that family will get together again. So we went for, for my brother's wedding. And to our surprise, my, with my brother was my father at the airport with the garlands of roses. And he saw my husband and he put the garlands around his neck and gave him a hug and said, my son, let's go home. Wow. So you think God intervened there? God intervened, yes. And, they, and, and my father's prayer when we went home was, thank you, God, for blessing me with another son. And I think that there could nobody be better than my husband as his son-in-law. My husband is a very loving, very caring, very honest, a good man. So which my father got to see and he was very proud. So and my husband still, his involvement and his love for the family, my family, my mother, my brothers are very grateful. My father has passed on. So that's, yes. Nosheen, this, uh, this hour always goes by too fast, and I want to skip a few chapters. You've you had success, and this is a great story, and now you're married. I want to come to the end of it and talk about your life now. 
Um, I, you, I know you're at St. Elizabeth Hospital. I know you have children. I know. I want to. I want to understand what what married life, being parents in America, feels like relative to what you came through. Now, God's blessings, each step with the children. God has given us three children, and our children know our oldest one when she was about five years old, I think, or six years old, and she said to somebody, "My mama works at St. Elizabeth Hospital." And even if she was not paid, she will still go to work. So God in our family, in our lives, each step, every day, and I am so grateful to God. And I tell God that thank you for giving me this day. Take me where you want me and give me the words where you want me to say something and help me to be quiet where I need to stay quiet and just listen. And I see and I feel and I am held in those arms of Heavenly Father all the time. I feel that and I am very grateful. How often do you talk to God? All the time. Whenever I want to, all the time. Does he talk back? Many times he talks back. Many times I just have to, I just have to in my heart, have to feel that satisfaction that tells me that he, he is okay with what I'm doing. And you, I know you go into St. Elizabeth Hospital as part of what you're doing. Tell us about that. St. Elizabeth Ministry is my honor, my privilege. I am so much loved there by staff, by administration, and I love what I do. This is who I am. And this is my privilege that I get paid for something that I love to do and has become my job, ministering the patients, their families, and the staff, my colleagues. It's just, I am just in, I would say, just if I imagine a glimpse of heaven, this is what it is, my work, and then grateful for my family, very grateful for my husband, our children. I am beyond grateful. I don't I, even have I words. Can, I can tell grateful. that. I can see it. I can feel it in the audience. I'm sure the Friendly Fire audience can hear it in your voice. You go into St. Elizabeth Hospital. Um, bring it down to the nuts and bolts. Do you go, you see an individual patient? Do you see patients that are in bad shape? Who do you see? Um, at St. Elizabeth, actually, as a chaplain, I have a list. I make a list, and I go critical care, progressive care. I do oncology, do burn center. I go wherever I am, need, I am needed. The staff... The nurses, sometimes the physicians, they will also call me and tell me that this is where the um, ministry is needed and that's where I am, wherever God leads me. And what do you say? What do you say? I introduced myself and then we just start the conversation. Many times it's like from nothing to this is who I am and this is my routine visit and then the patient's like, do you have time to sit down? And we start the conversation. And the conversation is completely, they know that I am trained to provide a completely private, protected place for them where whatever they want to say, whatever they have to say, it will be completely their safe presence, listening presence, and whatever will be, will be just right there, protected and safe conversations. Is, is God in the room with you there? Of course. Without God, I will not be. He's the one who allows me and helps me to get up and takes me to the hospital and I enter the doors and I know where I am, 
holy sacred ground ground and that's where i work wow and quickly tell me or tell us about your children what are they doing so our oldest one kampal she's in omaha through creighton she's in pa program um and uh, our middle one she's 19 and she's at unl this is her second year pre med also our youngest boy is 15 years old and he is a east high uh, high school student second year you're happy with all your children i am very grateful and your husband he's a minister at a church yes he's at aldersgate methodist church and uh, yes we are all very grateful to god with what we he has done and what he continues doing is all we are so grateful so grateful no sheen your story um, you know as i started out the program with you today uh, talks about you know we're res- making resolutions and one of my resolutions is to every year for at least the last 5 years is to be more grateful just listening to you standing by you sitting by you you become more grateful you just you just expound gratefulness to god and the spiritual life and that's you're the essence of what friendly fire is about so thank you very much for being here with us thank you so much for inviting me <laughs> i i'm happy and i'm grateful that together those who believe in god and those who call him god or whatever names that we give him thanks because he's the only one who is worthy of all the glory all the honor and all the gratitude and with all of that uh, as we always say on friendly fire think about it talk about it we'll see you next week